0: I'd invite you to look at 1 Peter as we are continuing in this Abounding in Hope series, looking at our lively hope that we have. Peter, under inspiration of the Spirit of God, wrote this book to some people who needed hope, some Gentile believers that were going through the struggles of life and the struggles of persecution and just the struggles of coming to God as a first generation, many of them, if not most of them, and, and dealing with all that they were uh, in their life that was now being turned upside down and they needed hope. And through uh, the Apostle Peter and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, their hope was turned back to Christ. And I believe that God's going to use this to help us with the same this morning. First Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to His abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I like that phrase, a lively hope. What does it mean? It means hope that's alive, hope that's full of life, energetic. We've got some lively people in this church, and I love lively personalities and energetic people that can't sit still. You know, uh, it's great to be full of life and full of energy and and optimism about the future, and not just optimism, but faith-infused perspective. And as we get into this, I trust that God will give us that faith-infused perspective that will help our, our hope to be quickened. As we review here, we looked at verses 1 and 2 before. The Gentile believers need to understand that they, too, are both chosen by God and strangers within this world, that they have a new hope, a new identity, and a new family. The silver lining of suffering is that it is a refining fire that deepens your faith and enhances your hope. And that's what God uh, did in these people and what he wants to do in us as we look at this. As Peter began the book, he just dove right in. They're hurting people who needed help. No words were wasted. He dove right in and helped them with their identity. We saw this last week. Uh, that they were strangers on one hand, talking about the horizontal relationship, and they were chosen, they were elect on the other hand, talking about the vertical relationship. And as he sets this forward in the beginning of the book, he's helping them to come to grips with their identity so that therefore they can have a new perspective coming from that identity. Who you are or who you believe you are determines how you see this world. And some of us have forgotten who we are in Christ and what our relationship is to this world. I gave this quote last week, <clears throat> as, as we talked about that last phrase, grace unto you and peace be multiplied, the last, ver- uh, uh, sorry, the last phrase of verse 2. I want that grace. I want peace to be multiplied. Well, this quote I gave you last week, I'll repeat again. My degree of the sense of God's grace and possession of his peace is directly related to the degree that I think of myself biblically, my biblical identity, and the ensuing perspective. To the degree that I think of myself as a mere resident of this world, to that degree I am robbed of that same reality of God's grace and peace. Folks, we can get all tied up in this world. We can get so wrapped up in it that we lose perspective. The more tied you are to this world, the more this world can hurt you. But the more you recognize I'm a stranger here, I'm just passing through uh, the other synonyms for this are alien or foreigner, sojourner. If you can see yourself in that light, it helps you. And see yourself in the light of one who has a different home, a different inheritance, a different residency. You are uh, chosen by God. Boy, will that help us as we navigate life's trials. We're looking at verse 3 today. A lively hope, and speaking specifically of a call to praise. A call to praise. As Peter gets started, he he gets into verse 3, and he just bubbles over with praise. He talks about their identity. He says, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And then he just wells up with praise to God. Let's read it again, verses 3 through 5. Blessed but found, I, I don't think I could do it. And this morning I definitely proved that in the first service. Uh, we're going to look at the first part of this. Uh, we're going to praise him. It's a call to praise him, first of all, for our salvation. For our salvation. And then we'll praise the Lord for some other things. But you see it there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We'll focus on verse 3 today, and Lord willing, uh, finish verses 4 and 5 next week. Hope is alive. Hope is very much alive, and this is not only cause to praise, but a call to praise. And it really is kind of circular. Just as hope produces praise in believers, praise perpetuates hope in believers. It's an exciting rut to get caught in. If you can get caught in this rut, if you can get caught in this loop, you'll be doing okay. The more you recognize the hope you have in Christ, the more there is to praise praise God for. The more you praise God for, the more you're conscious of His hope in every situation. And it can go around and around like that. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gotten stuck in different circles, different ruts. My brain can just get stuck on some doubtful, uh, fearful, anxious thoughts, and uh, I'm kind of a one-track-minded guy, and this little train goes down that little track in my brain, and it just goes around and around circles. I don't know why I tend to build my train tracks in a circle and connect the two ends together. Uh, it doesn't work very well, but you go around and around, the, the, the train of my mind just goes around chugging along, smoke coming out of the ears, you know, and yet I get to the, 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 to the, around the bend and, and, and I'm right back where I started. You ever have circular thinking? You go to bed and just the, track, the train just keeps going. Eventually, folks, you drive yourself insane that way. All right, so pray for me. I don't want to go insane. Uh, if anything, I want to be on this track. If I got to go in circles, uh, this is the way to do it. By meditating on all that gives me hope and praising him for it. And the more I am praising him, the more I'm walking by faith. Because you can't praise without faith. You can't praise a God you don't believe. So the more you're praising, the more you're walking by faith, the more you have faith, the more hope you have. And so it continues. We need to praise God for our salvation. Number one, praise God for your salvation. It says he has begotten us again. He has begotten us again, and therefore we must praise him. Now, that word praise, well, we're saying praise. The word there is blessed, right? It's the same idea. Blessed be God and Father. The word blessed means praiseworthy or deserving of adoration. The girls just finished singing about this. Uh, Lord, you are worthy of praise. Uh, Peter was saying the same thing. Blessed be God. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. This was a doxology. Uh, This was, uh, many uh, scholars, many authors, when they're talking about 1 Peter 1, they talk about this passage as Peter's doxology. He just breaks out into song, or it's referred to as the Song of Peter, as he just jumps into this praise song. When we think of doxology, it's what we think of. I think of, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That is the doxology we think of. It's a song of praise. And here, at the beginning of this book, Peter bursts out into song. Now, why is this important? It is very important because it teaches us the the, the need to praise first. When we go to God and we have trials and troubles and tribulations and stress and questions and all of these sorts of things that clutter our lives, many times we go to him And we just dump all of this stuff before the Lord. You have a dump truck full of it. You back it up, beep, beep, and dump it. And Lord, here's all my stuff from this week. You've done it. I've done it. I did it just this week. And I was reminded of my message that I have to preach today. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm doing it. I'm doing it again. I need to stop dumping the truck. I need to start praising the Lord. You know, someone could have thought, Peter, what are you doing? You're writing to a bunch of Gentile believers, many of whom have been disinherited, many of whom have lost their jobs. These people are are totally uh, turned upside down in their world. They're they're suffering. They're going through trials. They don't know what to do. They feel like they don't belong anywhere anymore. They've got all these problems, and you need to help them with all this practical stuff. What are you doing breaking out in song? And I think he is showing us an example. This is the way you do it. This is the way you start. You start by understanding your identity, your identity in Christ, chosen by God. That, therefore, I am a stranger down here. That helps me have perspective. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. Therefore, I'm going to praise first. And if you'll praise first, you will find that when you go to dump your heap of stuff, there will be actually less stuff to dump just because of what got whittled out. From focusing your faith in praise. Focusing on who he is, his character. Focusing on his his power, his grace, his mercy, his long-suffering, his patience. And by the time you get done meditating on who God is, as we sing the song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Praise first, it will focus your faith, it will change your perspective and then help you to know how to pray about those needs later on. Praise first. But who are we to praise? Well, it says very specifically here, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no doubt, he is the only one who's praiseworthy, he is the only one who can fix our problems, he is the only one worthy. We're going to get a hold of who he is. And I want you to notice, even in the, the, the verse just before this, verse 2, the whole trinity is in verse 2. Did you notice that from last week? I f- failed to point that out. I meant to. But look at verse 2 again. Verse 2 says that we are elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So there's God the Father. Through the sanctification of the Spirit. So we're set apart by the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. There is Jesus Christ uh, grace be multiplied and peace unto you. Uh, He is focusing them on God, the triune God. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we come to praise because he alone is worthy. How much time have you spent praising God this week? Praise can lift your spirit and praise can break shackles. Hey, I tell you, it was, it was a, 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 quite a, a powerful day. That day they praised in the jail and their chains fell off and the doors opened. Uh, who knew praise could do that? Yes, praise still does that today. We praise Him. But for what are we to give praise? According to this passage, it's our salvation, first of all. Our redemption now, so many phrases could have been used here, but this particular phrase, the one who be, has begotten us again, is used. So why didn't he say, praise him for your redemption, praise him for your justification, reconciliation? There's, there's a, there, you know, there's a million different ways to say I'm saved. Isn't that neat, by the way? There's a gazillion ways to say I'm saved because there's so many facets to it. And we're going to look at one particular facet born again. It's a little bit cumbersome to say. It would have been easier for him to just say, praise the Lord for your salvation. But he didn't say it that way. He said, praise the one who has begotten us again. Now that's a mouthful. Why do you call that out? It's on purpose. He is highlighting one nuance of redemption, of salvation that he wants them to really get a hold of because it's going to help them to praise and that is the fact that they have been born again. So what does this phrase highlight for us? Boy, this is helpful. This phrase highlights the fact that all things are new in Christ. You have new beginning. Everything is fresh and clean. Everything is new, like a, like a new baby. The new birth uh, is meant to be a picture that we would uh, uh, relate to our, our daily lives, right? We've got some new babies here and a new baby on the way and uh, and it's, it's exciting to think about babies and and all that is fresh and clean and their future is bright and untainted by this awful world when we think of uh, of the of a new birth we think of hope we think of purity we think of uh, just a, a fresh clean beginning this is what he wanted them to get a hold of as gentiles because they weren't feeling this They were not feeling this at all. If anything, they were probably feeling like they came late to the salvation party. We are Gentiles. We're not Jews. We don't have Abraham in our lineage. And we never, the the book of the law, you know, they hang around a Jew and the Jews are quoting Deuteronomy and quoting this and quoting that. Like, oh man, I don't even know how to spell deuteronomy uh you know I i don't know anything you guys know and we're just late to this we're just late to this whole thing called salvation and it's great and all but oh we have this past and we've got all this junk in our lives and and what do we do now and he's saying you're new focus on that focus on the fact that you have been made new in christ if any man be in christ he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is who you are. Praise God for your salvation. Specifically, the, the, the fact that you've been born again. Everything is new. You have a new family. When you think of birth, what are you thinking? Some kid just made some family bigger. Right? There's now a new member of the family. They belong. And here he is talking to a group of people who are wondering where they fit. Do they belong at all? And you're going to see as Peter lays this out in the coming chapters, he's going to continue to use this family analogy. He's going to say, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. He's going to use phrases that are going to continue to encourage them to think about their new family their new relationship, their new start. They are starting over. Only God can do that. And they have to accept that by faith. But yes, it is happening because they've been saved. This is why he says in the very beginning, he, he, he refers to them as strangers, which is what they would refer typically to Jews as strangers. What is he doing? He's saying, you're one of us you're with us, you're in our family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we've all been born again, we're walking together, you belong, you have new birth, you have a new beginning, you have a new family, and therefore a new hope. Your hope is alive, your future is bright, as bright as a little newborn child. There's nobody that looks at a new baby and says, yeah, that baby's not going to make it. I just tell you what. I've never heard anybody do that. I Don't do that. I hope you don't do that. You know, when you see a new baby, you say, wow, I wonder, what could God do? Everything's ahead of them. Oh, this is exciting, right? And that's what he's telling them right now. You have been made new. You're not late to the party. Not at all. You have been born again right in God's perfect time. Praise him. Bless the God of your new birth. Because of our salvation, everything has been made new because of His grace. Let's see a couple things about this salvation. I I don't have the points on the screen, but I do have the verses. We're going to look at salvation's motive. First of all, hope is alive as you praise God for His mercy. Do you see mercy in verse 3? You look at verse 3. And I don't just see mercy, I see abundant mercy. Is that what you see? It says that uh, we should praise Him, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again. We should praise Him for the motive. His motive in saving us is simply to shower us with His mercy. Uh, Psalm 145 verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger, and of great mercy. If you want to find mercy in life, there's really only one place you can find it, and that's with the Lord. This world knows nothing of mercy. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Do you know what he's doing there? He's saying, this is where you came from. You came from the pit of sin with everybody else. You say, oh, That's depressing you got to keep reading. Verse 4 has two great words. After he talks about all of that, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, that means he made us alive, quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What a powerful passage. So many things there. There. In Ephesians 2, that parallel 1 Peter. You know, you you see there in verse 4 that that God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, what did he do? He stepped in by his grace to save us. God didn't cancel you because of verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians 2 because you were dead in trespasses and sins, because of all of the lusts, and you ran with the children of disobedience, because you were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know, God doesn't know about the cancel culture and the pop culture, and God's not politically correct. He's not woke. He's not... He, he's God. He does it His way. You know, uh, we live in a culture where you, 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 uh, you're afraid to breathe too loud. Someone's going to say, you you breathe wrong. Anything you type on the internet can and will be used against you, especially if you run for public office. They pay some nerd to sit behind a computer and say, here's the list of the candidates. You're getting paid so many dollars an hour to go through everything they've ever posted, tweeted, said, anything. Find the garbage and bring it to us. Yes, sir. I I feel bad for that nerd. Whoever that guy is that sits there drinking Mountain Dew all night long, Searching for tweets so they can cancel some poor guy about he did this so many years ago. And here is the picture of him in 1973, you know, doing whatever. And, you know, sometimes it's bad stuff, but there's no redemption in the world. There's no forgiveness in the world. There's no, that's under the blood. You know, it doesn't matter where the guy has gone and if he's if he changed his life. It doesn't matter if you're a coach. And, and you said some horrible thing on a, on a midnight talk show, you know, when you were out of your mind and shouldn't have been on a talk show. And, and now it comes to light, this coach said this, you have to resign. That's the world in which we live. There's no second chances. You're done. Your career is over. Find something else to do with your life. Everybody virtue signals. Everybody parades around their self-righteousness hoping that no one else will look at their unrighteousness. And that's the world in which we live. There's no mercy in this world. If you want mercy, there's only one place to find it. It's in Jesus. Who He can say, I know exactly what you did. I know everything you did. In fact, I'm the only one who knows all of what you did. And I remember... I choose to remember nothing because it's under the blood. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He separated our transgressions from us because they were laid on Jesus and they were paid for with His blood and they're gone. Praise God, we can come to Jesus And He is not seeing us for who we were. He is seeing us for who we are because of His abundant mercy and grace that He abundantly shed for each of us. That's cause for praise. That's cause for rejoicing. As you consider salvation, the fact that we're born again, we're made new, we finally belong, we finally have family, when you consider salvation's motive, that His mercy and forgiveness is offered freely. But I also want us to consider salvation's means. And you see that in the verse as well, back in 1 Peter 1, 3. The means of it all begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Folks, without that, there is nothing. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul spells it out very clear, clearly. If Christ hadn't gone to the cross, died and risen again, we would have no faith. But He did die for our sins. He was buried and He did rise again. And therefore, the means of it all is not hanging on you. It's hanging on Christ. Romans 4.4 4 says, Now to Him that worketh, Is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt? He's saying if we worked for something, then we'd be owed the reward. If you could work yourself into heaven, you could work real hard and then say, okay, God, give me heaven. That's not how this works. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You see, he made it so that salvation does not hinge upon your work. It it hinges upon the finished work. This is the means to salvation. This is another reason to praise God for it. Praise God that he is not considering your work. He is considering his finished work. Praise God that it's not about your performance. It's about the propitiation that he was for our sins. Praise God that it's not about your promise to him. I promise I'll never do it again. I promise I'll never do it again. Boy, if that's what we—if ha- that's the means of all of this, we're all lost. It's not about that. It's not your promise to God. It's His promise to you. He that hath the Son hath life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We hold those promises, and we stand upon those, and we praise Him for them. He is the means, not me, and His resurrection is the is the guarantee of mine his resurrection is the guarantee of yours 1 Corinthians 15:20 but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept if there's a first fruits there must be a second fruits and a third and a fourth and and, and and so that's what this is telling us the way he rose is the way we will also rise he is not as he said the god of the dead he is the god of the living He spoke of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as though they were alive and well because they are. And and, and he knew them very well. And In fact, he fellowshiped with a couple of them at his darkest hour. And 1 Peter, who wrote this book, 1 Peter, Peter, who wrote 1 Peter, there we go, Peter, who wrote the book of 1 Peter, was there when those two saints of old, Moses and Elijah, They came to minister to him at the transfiguration. Peter saw it, and he recognized something with his eyes that we have to take by faith, and that is this. Jesus was right. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. They are alive. You know what he says in Revelation 117? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. That's the apostle John. And he laid his hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. You always got to keep reading through verses. Don't just stop at the the word amen. Because you could say, well, that's great for you. I'm glad you were dead and now alive and alive forevermore. That's great. What about me? Keep reading. He has the keys of hell and death. And that is what he accomplished on that cross. He conquered sin. He conquered the grave. He conquered hell. He conquered it all. And that's why we can say in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-five: "O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We don't have to fear. Folks, uh, you know, for this world, the world thinks of death as a scary thing. We grow up thinking of death as a scary thing, and, you know, when you think of death, you think of skeletons, and there's even a kid's a Pixar, I haven't seen it, but uh, I think it's Pixar or it's Disney, where the kid goes back with his guitar and whatever and sees all of his dead relatives, and they're all portrayed as skeletons, right? Did I get it right? Uh, anyway, uh, people think of dead people, they think of skeletons. That's not how it is for the believer, and, and when we think of death, we think it's scary and dark and morbid, but Jesus saw it differently, and and the Word sees it differently. Blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints, he says. Death has no sting. We can rejoice as we close this chapter. Remember, we're just strangers here. As we finish our course, Paul finished his, we're going to one day finish ours. I trust we finish faithfully. We finish our course as strangers. We go back to the, to the land we've been chosen to as the elect children of God. His resurrection is the guarantee of ours. The means is all Jesus. His death, His resurrection. The, mer- the motive was His mercy. I want you to see the mandate in this passage. Bless God. Again in chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what, folks? As you meditate all the intricacies of our redemption, as Peter is laying out different pieces of it, he just spills over in praise. And so should we. As we contemplate what God has done for us and who we are in Christ Christ, These folks were losing hope. And he says, no, you have a lively hope. You're alive because Jesus is alive and you have a new start, a new family. It's all new. Everything is passing away. And yes, there is some pain involved because you had some heartstrings to this world. You need to release those strings, let those things go and refocus your identity and perspective on who you are as a born again child of God with a lively hope. Bless the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 7, verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Hey, if you're redeemed today, you ought to say so. You ought to be ready to tell somebody. You ought to be praising him privately for your salvation. Praise him publicly for your salvation. And one of these times, you'll end up witnessing to someone, sharing the gospel with someone, and not even know how you started oh yeah, I was praising him for what God was doing in my life and it just kind of turned into this thing. It just bubbled over. So Peter did right here in the pages of scripture. He bubbled over with praise. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Everyone, everything. Folks, if you have a salvation story, you have something to be happy about, to praise God for and you need to meditate on what God has done for you. These Gentile Christians could have meditated on how much time they lost. Oh, why was I saved at 65? I wish I had been saved at 6. That's not the focus. Focus on the fact that you're a babe in Christ at 65. Hey, God's given you a fresh start and there is so much that he has for you. Focus yourself back on who you are but I've got to ask you this. I can't take this for granted. Have you been born again? As we wind this message down, have you been born again? There might be somebody here and you're saying, but this isn't ringing true. I, I've, I've never had a, a heart of praise just welling over for what God has done for me. Maybe it's because God has not yet done it for you, but he wants to. He's waiting and he's trying to draw you to himself Maybe there's been doubts on your side, fears on your side. You've not been able to put your faith in Him. And and so therefore, you're not able to praise Him. Folks, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Have you been born again? It is time for you to see your need as a sinner and His provision as a Savior. Your need as one who is hopelessly lost and one who's condemned to spend eternity apart from Christ but one who Jesus Christ can save today if you'll simply come to him and for the asking, take him and his free gift by faith. Have you been born again? Now, if you have been saved, you have been born again, have you lost the wonder of it all? Have you lost the wonder of your salvation? You know, sometimes folks, we tend to disparage what God's done for me because you see what God's done for others, and it just seems so much better. Well, I don't have a salvation testimony to tell anybody about. I mean, I just know, but but I'll tell you brother so and so and sister so and so, their salvation testimony, that's something else right there. Now hang on. I've struggled with this because I'm a third generation Christian. So my grandpa's testimony was super cool. Both of them getting saved out of the military, one saved out of the Navy, one saved out of the Army, and all the baggage and all that God did in just rescuing them and just literally ripping them out of the world. And both of them going to Bible college, and both of them planting churches and, starting and preaching in churches. And, and I, that, that's cool. But my testimony, I got saved when I was a kid. From what? I stole pennies out of my brother's penny jar one day. I remember that. And I had a bad attitude, and I was disobedient, and I told a few lies, and didn't kill anybody. Folks, if you're like me, and you think I don't have much to praise God for, and my salvation's whatever, no, 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 no. Think of what God has saved you from that you never had to experience. Think about what God, what does God know that you don't even know about your life and about your opportunity? Folks, it's a miracle. Every time God saves a soul, it's a miracle. I've been reading about Joshua going into Canaan land. I've been reading about him uh, following in Moses' footsteps and just like the Red Sea parted, the Jordan parted and there goes Joshua and Jericho's walls fell down and there's so many miracles. I love it, I love it. I, I've often thought, Lord, I would love to see some miracles. We don't have miracles like we did back in the day. I thought as, a, as I prepared this message, we see some miracles Joshua never ever got to see not quite the same way that we get to see it every time you see a soul get saved you just witnessed a miracle I could tell you stories about people that I've been privileged to be, be with when they accepted Christ miracle after miracle and you say I couldn't have done that only God could have done that I remember sta- standing with Eli the bouncer of this club, and I, he, he had me share his testimony for him to a group of probably 500 people. Just a few weeks before that, he was the bouncer at this club, and me and my friends uh, drove our pickup truck and parked it in front of the club, and uh, the cops had told us keep on moving. We were handing out tracks. They thought we were a nuisance, and I said, well, if we, pu- if we park here legally and we stay in the back of the pickup and we plug the meter, can we stay? Sure. Uh, so we did that. We stayed in the back of the truck, and uh, uh, Eli uh, he got under conviction, and 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 he as we were talking to him, and he left. He went inside the inside the place, and uh, I come to find out later, he went in the corner and cried. He was so under conviction about his sin, and he came out of the corner of this dark dark club while they're all dancing and carrying on, and he stands up, yells over the top of it all we shouldn't be in here. This is the bouncer. We shouldn't be doing this. He's like, I've been letting you kids in here. It was a kids club, 18 and under, or no, under 18. So no drinking. He was letting them in with booze. He was letting them in with drugs. He was there paying them off. And he had this little street preaching sermon inside the club. I had no idea. I was outside, but he told me this later. He comes out later just still crying. I knew God was doing something in his heart. And so I exchanged information and I, I took a friend and we showed up at his little apartment. I was scared to death. He lived in the basement We went down that dark basement. I wasn't sure what was going to be down there. We got in there, gave him the gospel. He's just weeping. This big old boy is just shaking and he believed God could not save him. He started telling me all the stuff that he did, all the wickedness. He said, God can't save me. And I just gave him scriptures. And scripture after scripture, his eyes began to open. And then he saw it. And I didn't have to do a thing. He got down on his knees by his bed and just sobbing and shaking, he choked out a sinner's prayer. And I have no idea what he said because it was unintelligible. But the Lord heard it and the Spirit uh, makes intercessions with groanings that cannot be uttered. And that... Yeah, that young man got saved. He was transferred from darkness to light. He dropped his job at the, uh, being a bouncer at the club. And a couple of weeks later, he was given his testimony with me before a group of people. And, and God continued to use him. He got into a church with a friend of his. Uh, and I, I lost track of him to this day, but I'll tell you, I witnessed a miracle. That's just one story. But what about your story? We don't even know the half of the stories in here. God has given us the wonder of his rebirth, making new a child that was dead in trespasses and sins, and it is cause to praise him. And let me tell you something. You should praise him every day. Let me ask you this question. How long has it been since you praised the Lord for saving you through his mercy and his grace? You say, well, preacher, I've been going through a lot lately, and I've just not had anything to praise God for. It's been really, really tough. I'll tell you this, on your darkest day when everything is going wrong, if World War III breaks out and the bombs are no longer in Ukraine and the bombs are right here, if we've lost everything and we're hiding in some bunker, you can still, praise God, you're saved. And if you'll get a hold of that, you just might turn a bad day into a good day. You might just be able to get, carve some hope out of chaos. And folks, I'm telling you, he is starting at the basic, basic, basic starting, starting point. We're only in verse 3. He knows they've got suffering. He knows they've got problems. We're going to get to that. He says, I'm going to get to the practicals. I'll help you with these decisions. But let's start where we have to start. You are in Christ, chosen. You're a stranger down here. You have everything you need. You've been born again. Praise Him and do it often. How long has it been since you praised the Lord for saving you? If you've not been saved, friend, now is the day. Now is the time. We'll continue to look at the next couple of verses, Lord willing, in the coming days. But let's start by recognizing hope is alive and let's praise Him. Lord, thank You for making provision through your son through your death burial and resurrection and i pray lord that right now we would understand that you've done a miracle in our hearts lord if we need to see your miracle this morning i pray we just go look in the mirror and see the miracle of your grace that you started in us however long ago lord help us to get back to faith praising you for who you are and what you've done for us help us i pray